Hello, Texans, and welcome to the program that gets you in touch with your Houston Texans. Mark Vandermeer and John Harris with you from the Hyundai Texans mobile radio studio as we get ready for a big weekend. Many people around the city getting ready for spring break. Many people feel like they've been on spring break for about a year, but a working spring break, I get it. I understand. It's been very strange, and here we are. It's the one-year anniversary of when everything shut down, Johnny, by the way, and it was very bizarre a year ago. And I remember it distinctly because we were actually on spring break, and then we had this huge senior management meeting uh, to go over things. So I was like, yeah, this is a great spring break so far. And the rodeo shut down and we've gone over the basketball stuff. And yeah. uh, the week afterwards was free agency. So this year it's weird. I'm actually going to be bouncing around out of town for spring break. You're back here, but I'll be popping on the air as needed as free agents sign. How you doing, my friend? Uh, I'm doing pretty well. You know, it's interesting, Mark. And, and I was trying to remember the exact date that – everything sort of went haywire and everybody kind of circles the 11th because I think that was the, I think that was the night the NBA shut down, but I remember I was in, it's weird when you do something so often, you go through a drive-through, you go through a particular restaurant's drive-through and there's one for our family that we go through a lot. And I was in there getting food. And I just remember listening to Sports Radio 610. It was a little later than usual after all of our shows. And they came on and said, Rudy Gobert has COVID. And I just remember that whole video of him touching all the phones. Yeah. And I just went, oh, no, this is not good. Mm-hmm. And literally in that drive through took about, I don't know, five to seven minutes. It went from Rudy Gobert tested positive the Mavericks game or the Oklahoma City Thunder game, I can't remember if that's who it was. I think Oklahoma City Thunder and the Jazz, that game has been canceled and the league has been put on a hiatus. And I just remember thinking, oh, no, what's going to happen? And then you think, okay, a couple weeks, months, it'll clear out. Here we are a year later, uh, still fighting. Still, still fighting. Still fighting. But at least, at least we have sports. At least we, we got sports into that the equation true. with baseball, with the shortened season, and basketball with the bubble, and then basketball now. Uh, the NCAA tournament last year was canceled, which was bizarre. And you had oh. all the conference tournaments cut short, and the Southland Conference tournament was cut short last year. And it's not this year. It's at the Merrill Center in Katy, and you and I will be there tomorrow night to call the final the final game. Semifinals tonight, by the way. Go on over there and check it out. And then tomorrow night, 8.30 tip live right here on these airwaves for the final, the championship game. Looking forward to uh, working a basketball game with you, my friend. You're doing double duty because you're calling what football game tomorrow? I've got an outstanding one. I've got Sam Houston State taking on Nickel State at Sam. And they're arguably the two best teams I, going into Southland conference season. They thought the three best teams would be Nichols, Southeastern Louisiana and Sam and Sam beat Southeastern in a tremendous game, not this past Saturday, but the Saturday before. So Sam had a game and they had a week off. Now they play Nichols and this is a big one. This, uh, this will be, I think for the, the Southland conference championship to see who moves on. And that's one of the, the, the odd things. Well, not, <laughs> we get thrown on the pile of odd things, Mark. Mm-hmm. But this one is big for the Southern Conference. But they're still playing a playoff. So they have six games. They have 17th playing. So they have six games, all conference games. 
and then they'll go into a playoff. So you get into the playoff, I think they cut it down to just 16 teams. That's still, if you go all the way to the championship, that's four more games. You will have played 10 games from the last week of February all the way to middle of May, turn around and play a regular season in 2021. Ooh. Man, that's a lot of football. That's a lot of football. Boy, that's tough. Yes. I guess it is, and we're going to find out what the effect is, but it's only those teams that are going all the way, so that's two teams that go all the way. No doubt. That get that much, and it kind of reminds me of Texas high school football playoffs where you have the six extra weeks of playoffs to win it all. (laughs) You're ending up playing an NFL season, basically, to win a state championship in the Lone Star State, but that is interesting. When I was at UMass in the 90s, when they won the Division One AA at the time, national championship, it was a 16-team field back then, and they were 12 yeah. seed. And I just remember that being a you know, smaller field then and that kind of thing. And I just – I love playoffs, college football. I think it's great. So and I good, wish we yeah. had one in the uh, FBS, but we don't. We definitely do in NCAA basketball – and all the conference tournaments jammed up right now. It's fun. Uh, you have a lot of weird stories with COVID. Uh, football, obviously, we have a situation where the league year begins next week. We talked about it last night, March 17th. Legal tampering underway on Monday. A lot of signings taking place right now. And, Johnny, it's kind of the, the pre-shopping season, right? This is like the <laughs> nutcracker market where yeah. that night where the ladies go in and have wine. Some men, but mostly ladies, go in and have some wine. <laughs> yeah. And they they get some bargains before the whole thing starts. That's what's happening right now in free agency, right? You're signing some guys who are out there, get some bargains before the whole shopping spree really gets underway on Monday. And then officially on Wednesday with the signings taking place. And let's go over what the Texans uh, got done today. Early, it was announced not by the team, but reported that Christian Kirksey signed linebacker with the green Bay Packers. Your thoughts on that acquisition. With every acquisition that we've seen or every signing, starting with Justin Britt last Friday, I think it was, there's one thing that seemingly stands out to me, and it's the number one, that each of these contracts are one-year deals. And you can look at it one of two ways. You know, Justin Britt is coming off uh, an ACL tear in the middle of 2019. Uh, He hasn't played since. It's kind of a prove-it deal. Is he back all the way? Mark Ingram, one-year deal. What's he got left in the tank? If he proves he's got something, you know, maybe he can get another two-year, three-year deal after that. Uh, Vernon Hargraves, resigned. Uh, that's a one-year deal. And, of course, Christian Kirksey, it's a one-year deal. He's 28 years old. I think he's a whale of a linebacker. I think he's been productive wherever he's been with the Browns and the Packers. He's a heck of a leader. And I thought he put together and strung together some really good outings for the Packers. Now, we didn't see him. I think he was banged up for the game in week seven when we played him. But he strung together some really good ball games, double-digit tackle games. He's a guy that's been around, you know, with the Browns and the Packers. He's been around for a while. So you're bringing in a vet, one-year deal. And I would imagine that a lot of players – that are free agents or cap casualties, if you will, are looking at things going, hey, wait a second. I'd like to have a little bit more stability, but I'll take what I can get. I'll take this one-year deal. I'll go rack up 120 tackles, show that I still got it, and then I can sign a longer-term deal, whether it's with the Texans or with somebody else. The other aspect of this are that the signings at this point 
aren't impacting the compensatory pick formula. Mm. Now, if you or anybody asked me what that formula is, I wouldn't be able to tell you. I know that there are components of unrestricted free agents, playing time. There's a lot of other factors that get involved, but there are certain signings that aren't factored in to the compensatory pick formula. These players that have been signed are not in that, or they're not in that compensatory formula. So if you look at it and say, okay, well, you don't have first or second this year, and leave that as it may, you want to have additional draft picks as much as you possibly can. Sure. So where can you get them? Well, you can get them through the compensatory pick formula. The Texans have had that. Uh, I think it was a couple of years ago. They had a third-round compensatory. That ended up going to Cleveland and Duke-Johnson deal. But they had a third round, and I think they had two six-round compensatories. So if there is a way to build a football team, what are some of the ways people don't think about too often? Compensatory picks. Those are additional picks you can get. Waiver wire pickups. Those are a fantastic way to do it. And this way, and that is signing players that don't, fall into that compensatory pick formula that you can bring on that are veterans that have been around the league a little bit that are guys with experience. And that's one thing I always think about Mark when I'm building my team, I'd like to have a bunch of young guys. That's just me. I'd like to have a bunch of young aggressive dudes. Hey, I got to play a bunch of first, second year guys. I'm cool with that, but you got to have some veteran presence somewhere in the building. You got to have the guys that come in with the, you know, with the rookies, and, and hopefully things will get back to normal so there will be a normal locker room environment. And I think it's so important for the young guys to be able to look over and, you know, Texans draft a linebacker. And I don't know. Let's just use, for instance, Jabril Cox from out of LSU. Jabril Cox coming in, very mature individual. He's never been in the NFL locker room. Christian Kirksey takes him under his wing. Away you go. D'Amico Ryans took Brian Cushing under his wing. You know, those things. And then, you know, you just kind of pass it down. Cushing right. took BMAC under his wing. BMAC took Zach under his wing. Zach's taken, um, you know, he could take a rookie linebacker. And now you got a Christian Kirksey that comes in, and he adds a veteran influence as well. Look, I don't think he's going to turn into to Luke Keekley. I don't right. think he's going to be that kind of player, but I think he's going to be a good, solid player um, in a defense that just needs more good, solid football players. You, you bring up a really good point with the one-year deals because when Gain was here – he kind of liked the one-year deal. Felt like that was a – not yeah. everybody, but that was a way to make a guy prove it. And yes. it helped everybody. Tyron Matthew, right? That yes. kind of thing was working out pretty well for the Texans. Then they went away from that for a year or so, and now they're back to it. So we'll see yeah. where it goes from here. Now, it's not going to be everybody again, but some guys, it's just the deal that works best for them and works best for the team as they employ their services. Vernon Hargraves is a Texan once again on a one-year deal. Your thoughts? I think the one thing that will help Vernon, and this is going to sound kind of bass-ackwards, but the one thing that will help Vernon is if we sign, draft, or bring in a number of cornerbacks. Now, I know you're going, wait a second. How does that help a cornerback if you bring in a bunch of other cornerbacks? Well, if you separate corners from slot corners, the more outside corners you have, the more it will allow Vernon to go inside. Mm. And that, to me, is the biggest thing. I think when Garyon Conley was not able to go, 
and it forced Vernon to have to play outside. That was kind of the first step in, look, we're not – this isn't where we wanted to be with this. We wanted Gary on and Roby to play on the outside. Vernon can play on the inside. He does some good things from that, that position. He plays against slot receivers, which is not an easy position to cover, but that just more suits his skill set. He's up near the box. He doesn't mind being physical, so he's got to help against the run. I think that's fine. But to me, kind of like there's a difference. You know, there's defensive back, and there's corner safety, and then amongst the corners, there's corners, and then there's nickels. And then the safety group, I think there are big nickels and their safeties. And I think, I think that if you look at it that way, I think Vernon was playing at a position that I don't think he really fits him anymore. But I think playing inside at that slot corner position, I think fits him much, much better. So the more guys that we get outside to play outside such that he doesn't have to go outside. And it really, you know, you think about, think about Kareem Jackson. I think he's a perfect example. There was always this tendency to put Kareem back a corner, put him back a corner, put him back a corner. And then when there was a time when there were enough corners so that Kareem didn't have to go outside, he went to safety and he played pretty well. But you just got stretched so thin that Kareem eventually had to keep going out the corner. Right. Well, I don't really want that to happen to Vernon. Let's get some corners that will keep Vernon from having to go back outside where he really just isn't as great a fit as he is on the inside, if that makes sense. So more corners will actually, I think, help Vernon in the long run because, yes, he can go out there if needed, but I just don't think that fits his skill set anymore. I think he's an inside guy, and that's fine. Every team now, I think, when they put together a depth chart, they should put, you know, NB or slot CB or whatever. That should be on their depth chart to get people used to the fact that that guy plays 75% of the time. Well, I remember a day when the depth chart in team releases was just standard base. Now almost every release has three corners listed because they're going to list a nickel guy, right? Yeah. And look, this is just a depth chart for the media, an unofficial depth chart at that because you never know how they open up, what subgroup, whatever. But I think it's definitely evolved over time. All right, let's get into the Vandermock now. Are you ready, my friend? Oh, this is awesome. Now. I do two I of these not, a year. Yes, and I have not seen this. Okay. I have not seen this. Right before the show, you texted me and said, have you seen Vandermock? And I'm like, no, I want to be surprised. Yeah, get ready. Here it is okay. in all, all its right. glory. All right, this is the 1.0 for 2021. And remember that you might think, oh, that guy's not going to be there in that round. But in the Vandermock, magical things happen. And because of this and that, players <laughs> drop and they fall right into yeah. my lap. Now, a couple of things I've gotten right over the years. Tom Savage in 14. I got John Reed right last year. I'm not really trying to guess. I'm really trying to do my best draft. And very often, I mean, very often, I get the position groups right in whatever Correct. round I have them. All right, so with no first and second round pick, here we go, round three. Cornerback, I went there. You wanted some. You wanted yep. some guys who could play. This spot outside from Georgia, Eric Stokes. Boy, that, Mark, if you get Eric Stokes at, um, at corner, how fast – what's the fastest 40 that you've – what's oh, the I, fastest 40 of anybody that's come in the building? Is it Wills? Was it Will like, Fuller's? 
it's like yeah, high four twos, right? Was that what Fuller was? Fuller was hot. Was four three one. Who ran the alleged four one five or something? Was that Vincent? Oh, Wendell Smith? Williams. Wendell, oh, Williams. Wendell Williams. Remember Wendell? Well, yeah. I bring that up because Eric Stokes at they had at House of Athlete. That was kind. Of, it's kind of one of these new EXO shops mm-hmm. where you you know guys are going to do training and. I think House Athletes, a Brandon Marshall deal. I think he's done it with Chad Ochocinco. And so they did kind of like a, like a combine, basically. Right. And they've got a number of guys there. Eric Stokes ran a 4 2 five, 40. Mm. Now, even if you're sitting there going, uh, well, you know, it's a pro day thing, so you tack on like .1 or .15, whatever. Okay, that's still in the 4-3 range. Oh, yeah. At six one. 180 in change. Now, I do think his game needs a little bit of um, – it, it needs some polish. I would but, man, think. You, talk about a, you talk about a guy with that size and that speed yep. and the ability to flip his hips and run and be physical. And you play at Georgia, you play at Alabama, you've been coached pretty hard in secondary, mm-hmm. very hard. So, he's a tough guy, can come up and tackle – can cover one-on-one, can flip his hips, and that closing speed is so evident. You get Eric Stokes round three, number 67, you got to feel like you just got Justin Reed all over again. Not the type of player, but just sort of a gift. I think I've got him in the 50 – I think he's 56 or 57 in the Harris 100. So I like that pick thus far at 67, but that would be a gift. That would be nice. But which means – I mean, you have him in the top 60 of the Harris 100. Oh, it yeah. It does mean he could drop. So There's no doubt. No doubt. No doubt. All right, so let's see. Round four. I'm going to stay in the secondary, Johnny. We need help back there. And I'm going to go to Blake Bortles and A.J. Boyer's alma mater and pick Ooh. up Richie Grant at safety. Okay. Now, I absolutely, beyond a shadow of a doubt, if this happens, I will kiss you on the air. <laughs> oh, no. We're going to be on Zoom. The draft Richie show. Grant, that makes it official. <laughs> the draft show's Richie on Zoom. Grant is a straight, true baller. He is a phenomenal football player. If he makes it, what's our next pick, 67 after 67? Uh, it's the first one of the fourth round. <laughs> Wait, because he has a hundred something. Picks. Yeah. yeah. It's like 100. Richie, I, I, oh my gosh, I would throw a party. Here's the other thing, though. If he got to us at that point, mm-hmm. I would think something's wrong. Oh, because really? Richie Grant's a top 50 player. He's a phenomenal, oh, is he phenomenal really? safety. Now, I'm telling you, though, Mark, if you come out of there with Eric Stokes and Richie Grant, throw a party because you just drafted two starters for 2021 and beyond. Here's the Richie thing, Grant is a phenomenal safety. Sometimes safeties, they kind of slip a little bit. That's you know? true. No doubt. I don't it's disagree. Like, eh, we'll get a safety later. Eh, we didn't solve our safety problem. All right, so what? We got a really sexy wide receiver. You know, I got a running back or whoever, and they forgot all about the safety. That's what I'm hoping happens. All right, we have two picks in the fourth round here for the Houston Texans. Johnny, with the second one, okay. I'm staying on defense here, and I'm going on right. the line here. I'm going to play a lot of 4-3, and a guy mm-hmm. can kind of fill in and be versatile there. From the University of Houston, a local, Peyton Turner. I took him at a west side, and he'll be an interesting player for them. I love this pick. I love it. <laughs> Mark, you, you, this is slam dunk. I mean, I, you listen, I, I wish I were – I can't wait for you to have a bad pick here. But Peyton Turner is 
first of all, he was a guy that, and I got a little bit, a little bit more of his story. Um, I know, I know his agent, uh, his agent, and I have, we've known each other for, I don't know, 15, 20 years. And so we're at the senior bowl, we're talking and, and I always ask him, I say, you know, who do you have this year? And he said, Oh, I got Peyton Turner. Like, oh man. So I started getting a little bit more of the story on Peyton Turner. Although I knew a lot of it, but he told me a few things. Look, he's a basketball player and he looks like it, but he was kind of off the radar screen at the beginning of the season, but was playing pretty well. And Jim Nagy at the senior bowl was, you know, the agent contacts him. Hey, what about Peyton Turner from Houston? Nagy's like, ah, you know, he's a late round guy. And I don't really want to mess with it. And so the agent said, look, why don't you watch this game? I think it was a two lane game. And Turner went off. Nagy then tweeted, holy cow, the improvement he made from junior to senior years, out of control good. We got to take a look at this guy. They invited him to Senior Bowl. He was awesome for two days and was dinged up on day three. The first day he spent almost exclusively playing on the inside. The second day he played on the outside. And as I talked to the agent, I said, I think he's the perfect kind of candidate to be an outside guy on first down, second down, run downs, and then on second, third down, passing downs, bump to the inside. You know, he kind of like Charles. You know, like Charles will do. You know, Charles will play outside. In a 4-3, Charles will play outside mm-hmm. and then bump inside to rush. And I think Peyton Turner is a player that could do those things. I do think that Peyton would probably play the run a little bit better. Uh, but the athleticism is off the charts for this guy. I think he is a – I think he is the perfect base end sub-interior rusher. He is the model. I think he would be a great fit for this defense for sure. Okay, let's go to round five. Now, you're going to be a little surprised as my dog starts barking because she wants to get out of this studio. (laughs) But you're going to be a little surprised here. Uh, And by the way, we'll do this pick and then we'll take a break because I have more, including a quarterback in this Vandermock draft that we're doing here. All right, round five. I got to go get a running back somewhere. I know that I have running backs and Ingram's there reportedly. Ingram's there and, of mm-hmm. course, you have David Johnson, and yes. we've talked about the other guys a bunch. But I'm going to go Rajan Cajun here Do and it. go Trey Regis and pick him up because you can never have enough. And I like what I see. I think he can contribute. It might be a bit of a journey, but he's interesting. And I'm t- it's round five, Johnny. I'm not taking him in the second round or anything. This is Trey Regis, round five, running back Louisiana. <laughs> well, that wasn't the guy I thought you were going to pick. No. That was not – I was not thinking you were going here. I thought you were going to go with Eli Mitchell because You've that – I mean, him. Eli Mitchell. I – Elijah Mitchell, Eli Mitchell. I love him. I think he is a tremendous, tremendous runner. And he can give you something in the receiving game. I think he is a big-time player. Now, Regis is a big dude. I mean, a big dude. It says 218, but when you see him run, you're like, that's a thick dude. I'm okay with big backs. I, I really am. And I mean, you watch Derrick Henry. I mean, look how, how much trouble people have tackling Derrick Henry. I don't mind having a bruising kind of running back. You, know, you get that with Mark Ingram, too. You get a guy that is – he's not as big as David Johnson, but, man, he's hard to tackle. He is physical. Regis is that kind of guy. He is a physical, big, thick runner 
I don't have any problem with big backs. I just thought you were going to go Elijah Mitchell right here. So, Trey Regis, a little bit of a surprise, but not disappointed at all. Probably a little early. I would say, would you get a fifth mm, round? Fifth That's round. Probably about, maybe about right. I would probably say fifth or sixth for Regis. But at close to 220 pounds, he's thick and he runs that way. There were games where you'd watch Louisiana, and I kept waiting to watch my guy Mitchell. And I'm like, who's number nine? Who's this dude? This guy's just running fools over. So, Trey Regis, look at you. I like what you are doing, my friend. Well, I just, I'm disappointed in the pronunciation of his name because it's spelled R-A-G-A-S, and I was hoping it was Ragus, and I could go Ragus to Riches and have all this fun <laughs> stuff to do as a play-by-play man, but that's not going to happen. All right, we have three picks left in this year's Vandermock 1.0, including a quarterback that we know well. So that's coming up next here on Texans Radio. Welcome to Texans All Access. We are brought to you in part by Apache Corporation. Nearly 3 billion people worldwide live in energy poverty, meaning they lack access to reliable electricity or clean cooking fuels. The natural gas and oil produced by companies like Apache Corporation help power cleaner electricity, enable access to food, education, and healthcare, and connect us to those we love. We are committed to providing the energy the world needs and to elevating families across the globe to higher standards of living. Learn more at ApacheCorp.com. That's ApacheCorp.com. Now here's the show. Mark Vandermeer, John Harris with you on Texans Radio and doing a lot of stuff tonight, going over free agent signings in the NFL as they're getting those pre-league year bargains, if you will. Are they bargains? We don't know. But a lot of teams out there looking for players to bolster their rosters before the big shopping spree starts next week. And, Johnny, we're going over the Vandermock 1.0. It's on HoustonTexans.com and the Texans app. And we've been through the first few picks. Third round, I took Eric Stokes, cornerback Georgia, then Richie Grant, the safety from UCF in the fourth, followed by Peyton Turner, defensive end UH in the fourth, Trey Regis, running back Louisiana in the fifth. All right, round six. Okay. I'm going to mispronounce his name. Oh Wide receiver from Mississippi State, big dude, Osiris Mitchell. He is, Johnny, 6'4", okay? Yeah. He had that huge game against LSU, seven catches, 183 yards, two touchdowns. He dropped off, but didn't Mississippi State have quarterback issues? And that contributed yeah. to the drop-off. He drops like a stone. I might have to flip him in Regas, maybe take him in the fifth and Regas in the sixth. What do you think of Mitchell right here? Remember, it's round six. Yeah, I remember that first game against LSU, and uh, K.J. Costello, quarterback, is just spitting it. I mean, he is finding everybody all over the field, and, and Mitchell is one of those guys. And I'm like, man, they are going to light it up. And then Costello sort of fell off, and it just it was not a, it was not a great situation. Mitchell's a is a big guy. I mean, you see him, he looks like a small forward. Yeah. So that's the first thing that stands out. Like, okay, we've got Cobb, we've got QT, we've got Cooks. Those guys are all point guards. I mean, you've seen them. I mean, they're yeah. they're you know smaller than the size of point guards. I actually saw Isaiah Coulter today in the in the parking lot, and I was like, he's put on some weight. And I was like, okay, he's a little bit bigger, but he's only he's looking me in the eye. So he's six foot six one. Osiris is a pretty true six four and a half, six five. Go up and get it. And the guy that comes to mind 
first was a guy the Jags drafted last year that people around here know very well, and that's uh, Colin Johnson. And Johnson played very well against us in two games as a rookie. 6'6", 200-something pounds. It didn't run exceptionally well. Man, ball's in the air. He's going to go get it. And I think Osiris Mitchell is like that. And I think where Colin Johnson went, which was, I think, around the fifth round, sixth round, that's where I think Mitchell ends up going. But you add size to this receiving group. So I like, I like what you're thinking. I like it. And I think that's probably about the right round. Was it the sixth round? I think yep. that's probably about the right spot. What I like about the receiver group is once you – I mean, even, even at that point, you, there are so many receivers that are available that it really is going to – you're going to get to a point where teams have drafted a receiver or they don't need a receiver that wow. you're going to have players in the top 20 or top 25 or your receiver rankings that end up falling into the fifth, sixth round because teams have just – look, we already took our receiver and we don't need one. And then all of a sudden you get a guy like Seth Williams from Auburn who ends up falling and you're like, ah, look, I'm going to go get that guy. So yeah. getting Osiris Mitchell in the, in the sixth round, I think is fantastic, but I wouldn't be surprised if there isn't a player that we're like, wait a second, this guy's got a second, third round. Great. He's going to fall to us just because there's so many receivers and they're all different types too. So I think you can get a really good bargain at the receiver position. I think Mitchell's a pretty good bargain. All right. Three picks in the sixth round. Tommy Kramer, guard Notre Dame. Got to get an old lineman. I like the name Tommy Kramer because <laughs> it's the former quarterback from Rice and the Vikings, although it's spelled differently. And that's how I made this pick, Johnny. The very scientific <laughs> approach of picking a name I like. Hey, it's round six. You tell me if there's any better method of evaluating an old lineman. No, there isn't. You, you got it. I mean, that is, that's, that's the best way to do it. I will say I, I thought maybe you would go interior offensive alignment a little bit earlier. Mm -hmm. However, I think with what's happening around the league, I think interior offensive line, you've already done it with Justin Britt. You got a one-year, whatever, you know, his deal yeah. is. It's not, it's not breaking it back. I think you're going to be able to find – I mean, you look at what the Chiefs did yesterday. Mitchell Schwartz. Uh, was that yesterday? I think it was yesterday. Yeah, Mitchell Schwartz released. Eric Fisher released. Now, those guys are tackles. But I think it just shows that, look, teams have got to get under the cap. There are teams that have got to make moves. And there might be some players going, you know what? I'm 30. I'm 31. I'm not taking a pay cut. I'm not taking a pay cut. You have to release me. I'll go get a check from somebody else. And I think there are going to be players like that, that in the interior offensive line. So I do think – kind of talking myself into it here I do think that maybe interior offensive line moves down the list a little bit although you can always use the depth and Tommy Kramer's played a ton a ton of football at a very good program I do think that he is not quite the athlete that the guy on the other side is Aaron Banks who I really like but you're not getting Aaron Banks in the sixth round mm. Aaron Banks is a load at 335 and can move which means he's probably going in, in the fourth round at the latest. But in the sixth round, you get a guy like Tommy Kramer who's played a lot of football. You got to do it. You, you absolutely have to add depth to that, in, that interior offensive line. And maybe you find a piece that you think is a depth piece, and that guy turns out to be a starter for a long time. All right, continuing with this Vandermock, 
It's still round six. I have another pick here. And look, I only have one quarterback on the roster right now. His name is Deshaun Watson. I need some quarterback depth. I need a guy to develop. So hear me out. And in fact, this stage of the draft, there are going to be a lot of quarterbacks with names you know, like Ian Book from Notre Dame should be available and guys like that. But I went local-ish, and I went to the 40 acres, and I'm doing it, Johnny. I'm taking uh, Sam uh, Ellinger because I'll tell you why. Hear me out. Good TD to interception ratio, right? Mm -hmm. yep. The completion percentage wasn't that hot this year, but it's been pretty good in the past. And he's been the guy for a long time. Now he doesn't have to be the guy. He's a rookie in this league. He gets to study, develop. Plus, we get entertaining preseason games with a lot of interest. This yes. is a win for a lot of different reasons. <laughs> Take the quarterback from UT. <laughs> Uh, it was that last little piece you got me. That last little piece, mm -hmm. I was waiting for it, and you gave it to me. It's about those preseason games. Oh, yeah. You and with, with Sam Ellinger there, you got to – listen, with Sam, I don't, I don't want to make this comparison mm -hmm. because I think it's, a, it, it's probably a – it sounds as it's a – well, it's a lazy comparison. But when you think about Taysom Hill – Taysom Hill was kind of like Sam in college, mm. and he ran the ball a ton. Taysom ran the ball a ton. Now, Taysom ended up bang, you know, getting his knees just tore up like two or three years while he was at BYU, which is why it took him so long to get to the next level. But Taysom just said, look, I'm going to do anything I got to do. Now, I don't think that Sam is quite the athlete that Taysom is, but I do think Sam is a much better thrower than Taysom ever was. And as I watched Sam last summer, and I watched other prospects, and I found myself watching a ton of games studying the 2020 class that, that did have Sam Ellinger in it. And I'm like, you know, Sam throws the ball a whole lot better than people think. But, man, when he tucks it and runs it, he's a pretty darn good fullback. Yeah. And you think about that aspect. Hey, down on the goal line, hey, maybe there's something there. And as soon as you put another guy on the field, that can throw the football, every defensive player's antennae go up and go, um, uh-oh, hey, Sam's on the field. Hey, keep an eye on number 11. Keep an eye on that guy. He can throw it. And maybe he's never used. You know, it's the same thing with Taysom Hill. As soon as Taysom's on the field, you've got to respect the fact that he can throw it. Well, Sam can run it too. And I think that's something that makes him very intriguing. And I, like I said, I hate using the Taysom Hill sort of – argument you know Cordell Stewart was that guy before any of them yeah. you know call him slash I think Sam from that standpoint I don't think I'd put Sam at receiver but from a running game standpoint you put him in the backfield and you watch a defense kind of point at each other and go hey we know that guy can throw the ball and that just all of a sudden sets defenses in a whole different mindset and maybe there's no intent to give him the ball in any way shape or form but defenses have to respect it it's the time that they don't, they're all of a sudden, ooh, Sam's going to take it and then throw it to somebody. So I like your thinking there. What I like about a lot of these quarterbacks, they kind of have some of that same – some of that same feel is right. there for some of these quarterbacks. You know, a guy like Felipe Franks. I don't think Felipe runs the ball as well as Sam does. So that's why I kind of would say Sam probably fits a little bit better from that, that standpoint. But, man, if you can just throw another wrinkle with one offensive player, a guy that you get in the sixth round, man, it's absolutely worth it. Absolutely worth it.
I think I have the round right here. I really do. All right. I or, I mean, he might slip all the way out, but who knows? Right, I've got one more pick in the Vandermock. And around the league, which is more surprising, Cam Newton back with New England or Brady probably going to play till he's 45 years old? We'll do that and more on Texans Radio. Welcome to Texans All Access. We are brought to you in part by Dykin. Hey, Texans fans, get a home field advantage this summer with Dykin Air Intelligence Tips you can use to beat the heat in your home. Learn how to lower your energy costs, reclaim your outdoor space, and breathe easier by improving your indoor air quality. It's all part of Dykin's Air Intelligence, and you can learn all about it by visiting DykinLovesHouston.com. As one of Houston's largest employers, Dykin is doing big things for your fellow Texans. Check out their outstanding limited warranties and financing options at your local dealer today. Now back to the show. Final segment here on Texans Radio tonight. Mark Vandermeer and John Harris with you. All right, Johnny, one more pick in the Vandermock, which is up on HoustonTexans.com and the Texans app. Round seven, I got one pick here. And listen, you're probably wondering, wait a minute. I'm about to break a federal law because we all know in every draft, the Texans must take a tight end. It's a requirement. <laughs> I think it's written in the Constitution, and it doesn't really exist, but it just feels that way. And this is something that would not have happened 20 years ago, where somebody transfers from Florida State to Georgia. That actually happened to Mark Richt, but he's a coach and he got paid to do it. This is a player who did it, and he's going to go somewhere in this draft, I would think. Trey McKitty, tight end, Bulldogs, and look. The guy has some ability. There's no question about it. It's round seven. He's still here. I'm going to take him. I want a tight end. I just want to develop a guy. And um, if he's projected to go higher, I'm pulling a Jedi mind trick. This is not the tight end you're looking for. So he drops to the Houston Texans. Thoughts? I will dance a jig if Trey McKitty is there in the seventh round. So this is our seventh round pick, right? Is that what you said? Mm-hmm. I would dance a jig because he is a really good player. When, we, when I was at the Senior Bowl, he makes a catch going across the middle on deep over route, and Mac Jones lays one on him, quarterback from Alabama. And McKinney makes this one-handed, right-handed catch, and I'm like, oh, my. Big. He's a lot like Pharaoh Brown in, in that sense, that he'll, he'll block the line of scrimmage. He can catch the football. He can do some different things. can line up in a lot of different places. I will readily admit, Mark, this tight end – Group, it doesn't have a lot of – after, after Kyle Pitts, it is – if you, if you went to all 32 teams and said you like Kyle Pitts, they all would say, oh, heck yeah. If you went to all 32 teams, every prospect after that, I guarantee you there would not be across the board a consensus. I mean, even, you know, Pat Fryermuth from Penn State, who I love. Hey, you guys love – nah, we don't quite – he doesn't really line up as an inline wide, doesn't run block real well. He's a really good pass receiver. I don't know. Kyle Pitts is the only one. Tight ends are really going to be flavor of the month for, for particular teams. There are going to be some scouts and some teams that are like, oh, yeah, we can do something with that guy. Trey McKinney is – he checks a lot of boxes from the tight end position. I think seventh – I think he's gone before round seven. But I do think there are some guys, a couple of guys I saw at the Senior Bowl, one is John Bates from Boise State. He had the best third day, the last day of practice senior bowl that I can remember of anybody. He was fantastic. I'll give you another guy to watch. 
he's coming off an injury. But Matt Bushman from BYU is more of a pass catcher and he is a run blocker. But before his injury, he was going to put up mad numbers with Zach Wilson this year. Oh, boy. Crazy numbers. But he got an injury, and that's set him back. He's the kind of guy that I think you could get in round seven. I don't know if you get all the way to the, to the undrafted free agent process, but Matt Bushman's the kind of guy that, hey, look, if he's not 100% healthy, it's okay. Give him time to continue to rehab because there is something, no doubt, there for Matt Bushman. When he was healthy, he was one heck of a pass catching tight end. He's the kind of guy I think you could get uh, maybe in round seven. But John Bates, Boise State, he was phenomenal at the Senior Bowl in that last day. Um, even though it's not a great class, I do feel like there are some guys that you can get in round seven that would fit the bill. And then McKinney's there in round seven. That's a slam dunk. I mean, I, I would project McKinney to go uh, probably uh, high, in, uh, high in the fifth, mid, mid to high in the fifth. Mm-hmm. Um, so if he gets to seven, best player available, sign it up. Let's go. Grab him. Okay, that's the Vandermark. It's up on HoustonTexans.com. I quickly hear Cam Newton back in New England, Brady, New Deal. Brady's going to play till he's 45 minimum, Johnny. I mean, it's going to yeah. happen, and it's bizarre. Here we are watching greatness continue. But which is more surprising to you? I guess maybe it's even, you know, Newton in New England at this point, which is ridiculous considering we're talking about a quarterback playing till he's 45 years old at an extremely high level. But I was surprised that the Patriots went forward again. I know it's not a big deal. But is he a backup? I mean, what's the deal here? Do they think that they can win with him this year? They saw the movie, and they think the sequel's going to be better. And I'm not blaming it on Cam. I know he was injured and everything else. But it just surprised me to see that happen today. Well, I think with Cam, you know, before he got the COVID, he was actually playing fairly well. Mm. But I just remember seeing him up close. And you, me, and Dre talked about it during the game. He just looks like he was laboring when he was throwing the football. And, look, that was, a that I think, was a couple weeks, week, maybe two after he had gotten, uh, gotten back from having COVID. And he said on the podcast, uh, I Am Athlete, he talked about that and said he just didn't seem right the rest of the year. So, at that point, if you're the Patriots, you probably have a pretty good idea about Cam and what he's all about and how hard he works and what he does and how he goes about things. And the one thing I found out about Cam is he actually respects and likes Belichick a lot. I think that's probably part of this too because there probably aren't too many guys that feel the way that that Cam does from that perspective. I think Belichick likes Cam because he's incredibly smart, high football IQ. Look, bring him back. I think if he gets to the $14 million total is what has been reported, he'll have hit every incentive in the book, including getting, I think, the Patriots to the Super Bowl. So at that point, you bring him back. You probably draft somebody as well. Maybe you make some moves to draft somebody. And look, if Cam plays fairly well, that young guy just sits and learns. And I think that's great for a young player to sit and learn and not have to be thrown into the fire as some and most first-round rookies or just rookies in general are. So if Cam Newton allows you to do that, rock on, man. Do it. And I, I, I think it was so. a smart move by the Patriots to do it and see what he's got. There's no harm. If, if Cam comes back to camp and it, it's not there, 
you cut them and there's there's you know water off a duck's back you move on it's not a it's not a matt ryan like cap hit you're taking to bring cam newton back Right, because I think we a lot of us expected some sort of big deal like a Garoppolo acquisition or some yeah. something crazy like that, something marquee busting, and we didn't get it. Johnny, that's the show tonight. Thanks so much for being with us. Look forward to talking with you tomorrow night, Southland Conference Championship on Sports Radio 610. John Harris and I have the call at 830 at the Merrill Center in Katy, right here in these airwaves. And have a great weekend, everyone. Texans free agency next week, baby. Let's have it. Have a great weekend. Go Texans.